Good morning, everyone, and uh, uh, welcome to you all, especially if you're visiting with us. Uh, please do make yourself known if somebody hasn't already come up and introduced themselves. Um, a couple of notices. Um, John, I'm being waved at that somebody can't hear properly. Is that me or you? <laughs> It's the loop, apparently. Okay, I'm told to keep going and John will sort it out. There's a lot of feedback, apparently. So a couple of notices before we start. Uh, firstly, there's another soup lunch on July the 16th after the 10.45 service. And there's a sign-up sheet somewhere in the foyer for that. It was on the trolley. I'm not sure if it's there still. And secondly, for um, youngsters who are in church this morning, Marie is hosting a craft table. Um, is it at the back of church or in the hall, Marie? It's that way. <laughs> yeah, at the back of church. Um, the other thing that, to tell you is that our two church wardens um, went to the, is it the archdeacon's visitation to be sworn in? Uh, for their year of duty and James is going to come up and tell you about it and then it would be lovely if some of us from the church could gather around them and pray for them. So John and James. We've not got two Johns anymore but we have got two J's still. Uh, good, good morning everyone. Um, I, I just thought it would be nice for you to know that um, John Hitching, oh, sorry, John Ashton, too many Johns. Uh, John and I were at Upton Magna on, on Tuesday being inducted, sworn in, I'm not quite sure what, sworn in um, as, as church wardens, and, and Peter came along as well. Uh, and it was a lovely service, um, and I just thought it would be useful or interesting for you to know um, what John and I kind of declared that, that we would do as, as church wardens. Um, and so that I'm just going to read out what we kind of um, said yes to. Um, and this is what the Archdeacon said. He said, um, the church wardens, um, when admitted to their office, are lay officers of the bishop. They shall discharge their duties as are by law and custom assigned to them. They shall be foremost in their parish in representing the laity and in cooperating with the incumbent. I guess the laity is all of us and the incumbent is Peter. Um, they shall use their best endeavours, both by their own personal example and by their teaching, to encourage in their parishioners the practice of true religion and to promote true unity and peace among them. I think that's, that's a, a huge challenge. Um, will you, church wardens, now elected to this office in your own parish, gladly and willingly serve God in this way and now make your declaration together? And then we all said, um, yes, we will. And then the Archdeacon prayed for us and said, May God, who has called you to this work of church wardens, give you also the strength and enthusiasm uh, to do it well, to his glory and for the well-being of all in your parish. And may his blessing be with you in all that you do for him. So it was, it was a kind of joyous uh, occasion, but quite a, a kind of solemn one, kind of agreeing to those words as well. So thank you for your prayers, um, especially for me, because I'm, I'm new to the job. 
um, but also, uh, you know, thank you for your encouragement as, as well during, during the time that I'm church warden with John. And especially thank you to John and John Farrow because they're kind of guiding me through uh, the process. It would be really lovely if a few folk felt able to come up and we'll pray for them. Would, would two or three like to gather, come up and gather around to pray? Don't all move at once. <laughs> thank you, Peter. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. And thank you, Ian. faithfully served in this church as wardens over many years and we pray now for James and John that they may be given by your Holy Spirit the inspiration and the strength to carry out their duties effectively and to the benefit of us all. For your name's sake. Amen. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you will be I pray. Amen. Yes, yeah, so we used to affirm them and, as it were, commission them as wardens in this place at this time. Uh, you've chosen them for this, this role, and we pray your blessing upon them uh, and that you would keep them and sustain them and guide them in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe we should give them a clap. So if you're able, please stand and we'll join together in our first hymn, The Church's One Foundation. Thank you, Sue.
in Jesus, we become children of God, children who are dearly loved by their heavenly Father. And the God of all hope will fill us with joy and peace. We're going to watch a YouTube video now with, um, I think it's signing, um, that tells us and reminds us of that. So please stand or sit as you would prefer. And Ian's going to play us the video. Thank you, Ian.
in the certainty of our relationship with God our Heavenly Father, that we come to a time of confession. Jesus says, if you are tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest. So we bring all that we are to him, all our sins and our failure to love. We thank him that Jesus died for us so that we might be forgiven and have a new life in the power of your Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, hear these prayers as we confess before you now. We have not always worshipped God, our Creator. Lord, have mercy. We have not always followed Christ, our Saviour. Christ, have mercy. We have not always trusted in the Holy Spirit, our guide. Lord, have mercy. May the God of all mercy bring us back to himself, forgive you your sins and assure you of his eternal love. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Uh, Joan Parry is going to bring us our reading from Ephesians, and then Peter will come and preach. And just a reminder that there's craft available at the back of the church, very ably led by Marie. I'm very sorry, Joan swapped with someone, but she's come up anyway. I'm going to need my glasses. Ephesians what? Ephesians 2, 1-10. Do you know you get that feeling some mornings when it feels a bit like... <laughs> Thank you, Joan. You better follow it in your Bible in case I read the wrong words. So the reading this morning comes from Ephesians 2, verses 1-10. to 10, Made alive in Christ... As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit is now, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived amongst them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show that the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, 
not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Well, I want to open up a series of sermons this morning under the heading, What is the Church For? Um, that is a, a, both a rhetorical question, but also, also a question that uh, needs addressing urgently in the society and age we're living in today, uh, where I believe people are seeking spiritual answers, answers to deep spiritual questions. I think people are seeking, uh, really seeking about spiritual questions. And so uh, the book of Ephesians is, is probably the best place to start when you're thinking about these sorts of big questions like what is the church for? Because Ephesians, you see, was written for people who are just like you and me. It was written by the Apostle Paul for people who were trying to live out their faith in Jesus Christ in the midst of a busy city in the Roman Empire, and uh, Paul addresses them directly right at the beginning of the letter. So if you go back to Ephesians 1, verse 1, we see who he's writing to. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Jesus Christ. So these are ordinary, everyday people, just like you and me. Um, they're nothing special in a way. Uh, yes, they lived in a different time, in a different place, but they were facing the same daily choice that you and I make of whether we live for Christ today or not. Or do we go along with everybody else and blend in with the crowd? And yet Paul has faith in them. If you notice, he addresses them as God's holy people or God's saints who are living in Ephesus. And so he's saying, you are the holy ones, you are the, the saints of God. And so by addressing them like that, he is expecting them to behave like that. And you and I, just like them, we are God's holy ones. This is who we are in Christ. We are God's uh, holy ones. We are God's saints. And because that is true, that means we've got a great task to do, to share what that means to the world in which we live. Now we're going to be looking at um, <coughs> Ephesians chapter 2, obviously, because that's the chapter we've just read together Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 and 10 and uh, these are verses I've read many times over the course of my Christian life and uh, they are verses that I, I would come back to again and again and every time I read them something else crops up something else sort of springs out at me through what I'm reading which is the wonder of the Bible isn't it? the wonder of the scriptures is that every time you read them something new uh, comes at you as it were or you you see something new in it because God's word is inexhaustible in its truth and in its wonder, it's a treasure trove for us to have to read and to pray through each and every day under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So remember when thinking about the overall topic of what is the church for? That is the question we're addressing together this morning in our thinking and in our uh, sort of thinking through under scripture. So why are we gathered? Why do we gather as church here this morning? Well, I believe this passage gives us three great truths about the nature and the purpose of the local church. 
And, uh, and uh, here we go. Let me just tell you what they are. Firstly, before we were in Christ, we were dead in our sins. And now we are in Christ. Now we are alive in Christ through what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so that means we've got work to do. We have got a mission. And so let's uh, think about the first of those. We, we were, before we were in Christ, we were dead in our sins. So if we are in Christ, we are saying to God, we are allowing you to be at work in our lives. We are giving you permission to be at work in our lives. If we have said that to God, that is what we are saying to him each day. That we have that choice. This is a daily choice, isn't it? When we become a Christian, yes, that is a, 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 a moment in time, but every single day, as the freedom in Christ, Paul says, if you've done that, every single day we have a choice to make. Do we go the way of Christ or do we go our own way? And so we are looking at this first point about the past in the first three verses of chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived amongst them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. I wonder if you ever look in the morning at yourself and you kind of shiver. I don't know if you ever do that, but if you ever are brave enough just to look at yourself first thing in the morning, and I don't know whether you shiver or you think, oh, that looks not so bad, but I don't know how you feel when you look at yourself in the mirror. But I wonder if you ever, ever have regrets about your past. I wonder if you think to yourself, if I could just do that, if I could just live that day again, I would live that day differently to the way I lived it. I would live my life in that moment more honourably. I wonder if you ever had... Uh, that sort of thought in your mind. You probably have. I think that in most of us, if not all of us, there are things that we are ashamed about. I think there are, there are things that we know that we've done to people that we are ashamed about. We wish we could have done it differently. I'm sure there are times when you have um, even told a lie and you think, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I know that was not true. I shouldn't have said that. Maybe there's been a time when you, you sort of spun a story to get your own way. I was talking to the children in the primary school about this recently, about, you know, was there a time when you got your friend into trouble, when you should have taken the trouble, you should have got into trouble yourself? Maybe there are secrets in your past that even your nearest and dearest don't know about, and that you are ashamed about, and you wish that you had never got involved with. Now, maybe I'm making you squirm in your seat, but I'm doing it deliberately, because that is what Paul is saying. Paul is making the point that our, in our past there are things that we got wrong. In our past there are regrets that we will think that we shouldn't have got involved with or done. And so Paul is saying to the Ephesians, that is what you once were. That is in your past, that is the people you once were. And so he's confronting us very clearly, very directly with our state of sin that we were in before we came to Christ. As for you, he says, you were dead in your sins. There's no um, quibbling about this, is there? It says you were dead in your sins. Um, have you ever seen the, the film, it's a little, little while ago now, but um, The Green Mile, have you ever seen that film? Tom Hanks, it's one of Tom Hanks' films. 
Um, and in The Green Mile, it's made in 1999, um, he plays a prison guard. And he's uh, in, a, in, in America, they have death row in certain states. So he, he's in a prison, a top security prison, and he's looking after or guarding men who are on death row. So literally, they are waiting death. And there's a phrase in that film, it's a very evo evocative phrase. Um, and the prison guards will refer to the men in that row of cells as dead men walking. Dead men walking. They are physically alive, but they are awaiting death. Death is just around the corner for them. And in a similar way, and this is, this is a confronting truth, is it, the, the Bible doesn't sort of veer away from this, but the confronting truth of the Bible says that that is true of those who, those who live amongst us, or we live amongst those who haven't yet said yes to Christ are dead in their sins. Before we accept Christ, we are like dead men walking. We are alive physically, but spiritually there's a deadness in our spirit. Unable to respond to God or to please God or have a relationship with him until we have that moment of saying yes to Christ. And then, yes, our spirit comes alive in him. And so Paul outlines three ways that we spiritually are desperately in need of God. Firstly, yes, we are dead in our sins. Secondly, he says we are gratifying our sinful nature. And thirdly, he says by nature we are deserving of wrath. Paul says we are alienated from God. Before Christ, before we say yes to him, we are cut off from his love and mercy. We are alienated from his love and mercy because we are enslaved by our sinful nature. That's what Paul says. We are trapped. Without Christ, there's nothing we can do to get out of that snare that we're in. Have you ever seen an animal that's snared by this trap? It's got, they can't get out of it. And so Paul is saying we're in this cycle of desire, and then we try and assuage that desire by doing the wrong things, and the guilt that comes out of that just gets us nowhere, so we go in a cycle again. And so we are cut, in that state before Christ, we are cut off from God. And Paul uses a very, very confronting phrase. He says we are objects of wrath. Outside of Christ, he says there is judgment. Now, I'm laboring this point, but I'm doing it for a reason. Because Paul labours the point, and he says it, he says it the way you can't escape it when you read it. He says this is, he's labouring the point because he wants us to grasp how great is the salvation that Christ has won for us on the cross. And so remember the question we're thinking about is, what is the church for? What is the church in existence for? Well, the first answer to that question then is, so that the church, the church exists as a sign to the world to say, be careful. Be aware, be careful of the state you are in before you come to Christ. The danger that you are in. Now that's where sometimes people kind of come up, you know, and, and do this in a way that is a bit sort of unhelpful in a, a do-mongering way. And I don't, I don't think that's a helpful way of doing it. What we need to do is, in a loving way, is help people to understand that before Christ, before they're in Christ, there is a state of deadness, and it's put doing it in a loving way and helping them to see that, not in a kind of, you know. You're going to hell. That's, I don't think that's helpful at all. But doing it in a, in a loving way. Come to Christ because he loves you. So that's what Paul is saying. Before Christ, we were dead in our sins. That is what you once were, he says. That's where you come from. 
And then Paul, he turns his attention to where we are now. So our present state. So that's verses 4 to 7. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. But now, God. But now, God. Those three words sum up, I think, the gospel. They're the greatest three words of scripture. They are hope-filled words. But now God. But now God has turned things around. But now God has done something for us in Christ. Where there was sin and darkness and death. But now Christ. But now God has brought us alive in Christ. He has filled us with hope. He's filled us with life. He's filled us with his salvation. Praise God. And so that is the turning point I hope that we've all been through, who are sat here in this building this morning. That's the turning point that I hope that you can honestly say, and I've, I've said it, in my, in, I've said yes to Christ, and I've said yes, come into my life. That is the turning point, isn't it? When we say yes to his love and mercy in our lives, and he comes and fills us with his spirit. And so God doesn't leave us stranded in our sins. He doesn't leave us helpless in our sin. He doesn't leave us lost in our sin. He comes to us out of his great love and mercy and grace. And so that is being rescued, isn't it? That's how sometimes we explain the gospel to people, is that act of rescue. I wonder if you, I'm sure like me, you've been following in the news this week about the, the rescue attempt of the Titan submersible off the, of the, the North American coast this week. And I'm sure you were following the the, sto the story or the news as it, as it transpired as they're trying to rescue these five people from that submersible. And, and you know, that horrible way that there seemed to be the hours left of oxygen and, and obviously, you know, there's the tragic news that they have died in that submersible. I think it's right we pause now and pray for their families of that while we think about them. Let's just pause a moment and pray for the families and friends of the lost ones in an ocean. Dear Lord, we lift to you the families and friends of those five people who tragically died this week. We pray that you'd be with them as they mourn. We pray that you, Lord Jesus, would come and fill them with your hope. In the name of Jesus we pray. One of the scientists who was um, talking about the rescue attempt said this. He's a, he works at British Antarctic Survey. He said, although it's a desperate situation, there's hope. And you have to stay optimistic for as long as possible. And that is so true, isn't it, of God? This is how God rescues us. And so there is always hope for humanity because God has, has done it. He has rescued us. It's a desperate situation without Christ, but there is always hope because of Christ. Now, I, I, this sounds a little bit flippant after what we've been thinking about, but I've never got really badly stuck anywhere. 
I mean, we've got lost on roads in foreign countries and so on, but, but I know the relief of getting out of that place. I know the excitement of getting out and, and knowing the way back. And that is the kind of feeling of excitement and liberation that's, that Paul is putting across here in his words. Once you were lost, but now you're found by the grace of God. And that word grace, if you were to underline it in your Bible or highlight it, it's the word grace that comes out again and again and again. By grace you are saved. Grace and mercy. We can't claim credit for it. It's not our doing, it's God's doing. It's his act of rescue. We've got ourselves into this mess. It's only God who can get us out of it. Why? Because he loves us. That's why he rescues us, because he loves us. He loves us so much he was willing to die for us on the cross. So that we can be friends with him again. So again, what is the church for? Well, the church is there to live out the truth that God has come to us out of his initiative. He has found us. He has come to us to set us free, to be a living, joyful witness of that truth to those around us. So what we once were, who we are now, which means we have a job to do. We have a, there's a difference we need to make in the world, in the here and the now. In other words, what is our purpose as church? That's uh, what comes out again of what Paul is saying. What is our purpose? So verses 8, 9 and 10 talk about that. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by work, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So again, notice Paul is stressing, it's not our doing, it's not us who've done it. We, haven't, we can't take the credit for it in finding our way back to God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. In fact, he says it three times in these three verses. You cannot get to God on your own. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot climb up the ladder, as it were. It's God who comes to us and reaches down and picks us up. And once we've got that truth in our heads, that means we then realise there's a job to do. And so as a local church, that's where we come in, isn't it? As a, as a body and as a vi- and individuals, we who make up the Church of Christ, or Christ Church, in this place, that is where we seek, we're seeking God continually. What are you wanting me to do, Lord? What have you saved me for? What is my purpose as a Christian? What do you want me to do? It's not so that we can then sort of say, oh God, I'm so, I'm so wonderful, and aren't I, and doing what I do, and so, you know, all that. It's not, it's not about giving glory to us. It's about as we work out our salvation, we're giving glory back to God because of his power at work that is in us. As I was writing this talk this week, I was surrounded by drilling. It just seemed to me, I sat in my study, and literally there was drilling everywhere around me. Um, There's drilling going on in the site where the old school is being taken down and and it's pretty much demolished. Um, York House has got work going on internally over there. Um, there's a house that's been cleared across the way over there. You know, there's just everywhere around me at the moment, it seems like there's sort of clearing going on. There's a, there's a kind of like a, 
I don't know whether it's a spiritual thing, but just like the land is being cleared and the ground is being cleared. And, and maybe God is saying through that, he is clearing away for a new thing. It's only a kind of, as I, as I was writing this talk, but maybe God is clearing away for a new thing. Whatever that new thing is, I don't know. But what we've got to do as, as, as church is to be attentive to what the Spirit of God is doing amongst us and in amongst those who are living around us in our community, in this village or where we come from. Once we were dead in our sins, now we are alive with Christ and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And we are God's handiwork. We are now called to be ready and attentive to all that Christ wants us to do that he has prepared for us to do at this time and in this place for the glory of God and the honour of his name. Amen. So let's pray together. Father God, we are here to do your will. We are here as church to live out what you are calling us to do at this time and in this place as people who have said yes to you in our lives, as people who have said yes, Lord, we welcome you. You are welcome in our lives to do that new thing. And Lord, whether you, you are calling us to new initiatives, or to reach out to somebody in our street who yet has yet to say yes to you. Or you're calling us, Lord, to say no to that injustice. And instead to say yes to something that is true and righteous. Lord, that is our task, to seek you in our lives. What you're calling us to do. Not to dodge that, but to seek you with our, with our faiths and to hear your voice speaking to us. So, Lord, would you come and speak afresh into our lives. And as you clear that way, that you would bring us into that place, Lord, where we are ready to live out all that you call us to do. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So as a way of responding, and as a way of um, asking God to help us to do that, there's a song called, I Am Who You Say I Am. What I want us to hear and to listen to. It's a lovely song. It's a great song. It's full of truth that we are children of the living God and that he has called us to live out that truth in our lives day by day. So as, as it's played, I just, I just suggest you hear it, listen to it, and be praying that God will affirm us in that truth, that we are chosen by him to live a life of gratitude for his grace and mercy. Thanks.
So gracious God, we pray for peace, justice and reconciliation throughout our troubled world. We pray for the honouring of human rights and for the relief of the oppressed. And Lord, we give thanks for all that is gracious in the lives of men, women and children. We remember in prayer those who are suffering, those displaced by war, and those who live in fear or with famine. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the renewal of the church in faith, in love, and in service. 
and we pray particularly for the life of this parish and this church community. We give thanks for the gift of your word, for the grace of the sacraments, and for the fellowship of us, your people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our local community and for the people in their daily life and work. We pray for the young and the elderly, for families or those who are alone. We give you thanks for human skill and creativity and for all in humanity that reveals your loveliness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And finally, we pray for those who are in need, for the sick, the sorrowful, the bereaved. We pray for all who bring comfort, care and healing to those around them. We give you thanks for human love and friendship and for all that enriches our daily lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And finally, let us commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to the mercy and protection of God. Amen. We're going to say a shortened version of the Creed together. If you would like to stand for the Creed, please do. Do you believe and trust in God the Father, source of all being and life, the one for whom we exist? We believe and trust in Do you believe and trust in God the Son, who took our human nature, died for us and rose again. We believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust in God the Holy Spirit who gives life to the people of God and makes Christ known in the world? We believe and trust in him. This is the faith of the church. This is our faith. We believe and trust in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. We are called to be a people of peace and reconciliation. And so we offer one another a sign of peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Please offer each other a sign of peace. Just be mindful that there are bugs around. And if people wish to keep a distance, please do.
hearts. We give thanks to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and praise. Holy, holy, holy. Just a reminder, I say holy, you say holy, and then we all say holy together. <laughs> Should we try again? Holy. loving and faithful, holy and strong. You made us and the whole universe and filled your world with life. Holy, holy, holy. You sent your son to live among us, Jesus our Saviour, Mary's child. He suffered on the cross. He died to save us from our sins. He rose in glory from the dead. Holy, holy, holy. Send your spirit to bring new life to the world and clothe us with power from on high. And so we join the angels to celebrate and sing. Holy, 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 holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Thank you. 
which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. The stewards will uh, guide you up to the front to receive bread and wine. If you would prefer non-alcoholic wine, please take this table here. Um, and we do have some cheese and bread available.
the body of Christ, keep you in eternal life. remember those who cannot be with us this morning in prayer. So Father, we pray for those of our church community who are unable to join us physically this morning for communion. For those who are in home, for those in hospital, for those too frail to come out, and for those in residential care, and for those who are grieving. May they know your peace and your presence and your blessings this week. Amen. And we say together the prayer after communion. Almighty God, we thank you for giving us
before I say our blessing, Marie, do the children want to come up with the young people and tell us what they've been doing? Please have a seat. I think they're all too engrossed in their crafts still. Oh no, we have some volunteers. Do you think we should ask them next week how they've got on? <laughs> so, to close our service of blessing. May you know the warmth of God's loving embrace. May you know the joy of God's ever-presence. May you know the peace of God's gentle whisper. May you know the strength of God's spirit within you. This day and always in your life. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and remain with each one of you today and always. Amen. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve our Lord.